Theologians write about two kinds of evil in the world, natural evil like destructive tornadoes and, and moral evil like genocide. Evil poses the most often question asked of Christians. If God is good, why is there evil in the world? Well, how should we respond? Well, let's talk about that today on this episode of Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Who are you? Who are so wise? Recently, a massive earthquake struck Turkey, uh, killing about 17,000 people and injuring 23,000 more. The quake was so strong that it left more than 420,000 people homeless. It was the fifth deadliest earthquake of the 21st century. Now, we're not unfamiliar with natural disasters. They make the news nearly every month. Moral evils are also nightly news fare. War in Ukraine, saber-rattling nations, um, making nuclear threats on their enemies. The problem of evil has a long history. David Hume, the Scottish Enlightenment philosopher of the 18th century, uh, asked it this way, is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he's impotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he's malevolent. And if he is both able and willing, then where does evil come from? Now, in the next episode of Wisdom 828, uh, down the road a bit, I'll address how to respond to moral evil, which is evil that comes from what people do to one another. But for now, let's just talk about how a Christian might respond to natural evil. Turkey has experienced this, these number of earthquakes over the centuries, and they are the consequence of geography. A seismologist quoted in the digital publication Prevention Web said that the area of, uh, that this area of Turkey is prone to earthquakes because it lies at the intersection of three tectonic plates that make up the Earth's crust, the Anatolian, Arabian, and African plates. Arabia, he said, is moving northwards into Europe, causing the Anatolian plate, uh, plate which is where Turkey sits, to be pushed out westwards, and the movement of those plates builds up pressure on the fault lines and the fault zones uh, as their boundaries, at their boundaries. It is the sudden release of this pressure that causes earthquakes and causes the ground to shake. Now, natural evil may be scientifically explained, but when the forces of nature bring death and destruction to people in its path, out of their pain and loss, they ask, where was God? Couldn't he have stopped it in order to stop this disaster from happening? Wouldn't that be evidence of a good God? Well, as Christians, we must agree that all natural disasters work against human flourishing and welfare. Lives are taken. People are left with wounds and even without homes. So what must we affirm as true in the face of natural disasters? Well, first, we have to affirm God's self-revelation in Scripture. He reveals Himself as all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-wise. And furthermore, we must affirm that evil exists in this world side-by-side side with God's self-revelation. This is a theological equation, if you will, that every writer affirmed in Scripture. The writers of the Bible never questioned the perfections of God's character, and they never denied the reality of natural evil or that the evils were merely a figment of the imagination. To deny the first and affirm the second would lead to a path of delusion. 
Next, the Bible affirms that natural disasters are really the result of the fall. When the first couple sinned, um, they, they plunged all of creation into the brokenness of the fall. When Adam and Eve were held to account for their disobedience, God pronounced a curse on creation, making the man's labor frustrating, and isn't it? And the woman's labor for childbirth painful, and we know it is. It's been that way ever since. So natural evil in general is the result of sin in general. In his letter to the Romans, Paul said, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And you'll find that in Romans 8, uh, 20 to 23. Now that doesn't mean that a tsunami that takes the lives of thousands is the immediate result, <clears throat> excuse me, of someone's sin or even of the nation's sins. Jesus severed that link because the immediate cause and the effect in, in John 9, when he warned that his disciples can't always trace suffering back to a particular sin. Third, we must affirm what the uh, Bible writers affirmed, that God is sovereign over all that happens in creation. Now, that's where we're likely to hear a little bit of pushback. Some people say, wait a minute, how can God be sovereign over everything? But there are so many references to God's providence at work in nature that you just simply can't ignore that. Take, for example, Job's suffering. Piper writes, even though God had loosened the leash of Satan to do this, when Job responded, he did not focus on Satan as the one that God loosed or permitted uh, to destroy. He traced the cause back to God himself. And then Job rose up and he tore his robe and he shaved his head and he fell on the ground and he worshiped and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's in Job chapter one. Now Satan is a cosmic criminal and he does very hateful things, but he is not sovereign because God governs all that Satan does by his all wise will. God brings the winds, the snow, the clouds. He brings rain to one farmer and, and not to another. He sends lightning and he sustains all of his creation by his word. So we must take our stand on what the Bible reveals to us about God, or we have to invent a God of our own imagination. And I'll tell you something, that never goes well. When natural evil causes catastrophic suffering, as we saw in Turkey, we must affirm that God has purposes that we can't know, but we can worship him as good and faithful. Now, of course, Christians are obligated to show the love of Christ to the world, uh, and, and, but we can't stop there. We can respond in ways that are appropriate to the relationship uh, that we might have to those disasters. A foremost, of course, is praying for those who are suffering. Turkey's about 6,300 miles away from our shores. The distance is no problem when uh, a Christian prays. Our prayers are reaching the throne of God for the relief of pain in Turkey. So get informed about what to pray by reading or watching the news to know how to pray. Who are the officials that are immediately involved? They need practical wisdom. Who are the first responders who are there on the ground? They need safety. 
and they need good strategies to help their people. Pray for the churches in that area. Uh, there will be Christians who will want to offer whatever help they can um, when a disaster strikes like that. Now, Christians can also give financially to a qualified and trusted relief organization. We can give money, we can join, um, uh, join a local food or medical drive, and we can even give blood. And if you're in a position to personally volunteer and go with a relief organization, by all means, consider the option. These may seem like really small things in the big scheme of things, but to those who are receiving your compassion, they're pretty big things. Now I want to quote briefly from Al Mohler's thoughts on natural evil and the Christian response. He said this, quote, we dare not speak on God's behalf to explain why he allowed these particular acts of evil to happen at this time to those persons or in this manner. Yet, at the same time, we dare not be silent when we should testify to the God of righteousness and love and justice who rules over all things in his omnipotence. Humility requires that we affirm all that the Bible teaches, but go no further. There is much we don't understand. As Charles Spurgeon explained, when we cannot trace God's hand, we must simply trust his heart. And so, we weep with those who weep, and we reach out with acts of care and compassion. We pray for those who are grieving and have experienced such loss. We cry for the children who are lost, even as we are thankful for the brave people who did their best to save lives. And we pray, even so, Lord, come quickly." End quote. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for joining me and Steve Dyan behind the camera for this episode of Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You be of good cheer.